Father Chad, welcome to In the Pews. Thank you very much for having me. It's good to be here. This is um, actually my first time ever on a podcast. Really? I've never been on a podcast before, so. All right. First time. We'll be gentle. Sounds good. <laughs> so you, how, how long have you been a new priest now? I have been ordained for a little over two months. And how does it feel? Uh, it's still kind of surreal. Honestly, after being in seminary for nine years um, and spending so much time, I guess, thinking about the priesthood, preparing for it, um, to actually now be a priest and be doing the things that a priest does, it's still kind of surreal, honestly. You have to pinch yourself every once in a while. I know, yeah. It's, 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 it's hard to believe still. Do you look in the mirror and say, I can't believe I'm a priest. Finally. Uh, I, I just, I think that throughout the day sometimes, just like, wow, I'm a priest now. I'm a priest. Can't believe it. <laughs> Finally <laughs> here after nine years. Did you grow up here in Houston? I grew Houston up, uh, yeah, I grew up in Sugarland. I was actually born in California in Long Beach. Okay. But we moved to Sugarland when I was four. So I, I grew up here. Whenever I tell that to people in the parish, because people always say, oh, are you Texan? I say, well, I was born in California, but we moved here when I was four. So I grew up here. And they all say, okay, you're Texan. So, so yeah, you're like an immigrant. You've been naturalized I've been Texan. naturalized. I'm Texan. <laughs> is your family from California? My dad is. My mom's originally from New York, actually. Uh, but she grew up in California. They moved uh, when she was little. So still have a lot of family there. I haven't really gone there very much lately, um, but yeah, a lot of family there. What brought you to Texas? My dad's work. He got a new job, so we packed up. Nineteen in the summer of nineteen ninety eight, we got here uh, in June. It was burning hot. <laughs> Wasn't that hot in California? But it was hot when we got here. Where in California are you from? So I was born in Long Beach, but we lived in the uh -huh. city of Orange. Okay. Yeah, so we lived in Orange. So it's not as hot there, huh? No, it's perfect. The weather's perfect. <laughs> the weather's perfect. But you're all acclimated now. All acclimated. We, uh, so a couple of years ago, I did my pastoral year down in Galveston, right? Uh -huh. And of course, you know, Galveston, we have the beach. I don't know if this story's true. I don't remember it, but my dad said it recently that... When we moved to California, sorry, when we moved from California to Houston, to Sugarland, one weekend or something, we went to Galveston. And like when we saw the beach, he was like, when we saw it, we never went back because it wasn't like California. I don't know if that's true or not, but he said that fairly recently. And I actually told that story to the people in Galveston on my pastoral year. Uh huh. Um, they didn't think it was as funny. No, I, I, I grew up in Hawaii. So, yeah, so Herm and I, Herm who works on the podcast too, he, like we both were kids in Hawaii together and, oh, wow. you know, I grew up thinking all the beaches in the world look like Hawaii. Like, <laughs> people say, oh, Galveston. I'm like, well, you know, it's, it's still water, I guess. So Still water. Uh, the beach, you know, isn't that bad, but I will say I do love the island. Galveston Island? I loved island. being there. Oh, yeah. It was a great time. You've been in Houston ever since. Haven't moved yes, away. Yes, haven't moved away. Been in Houston. I did. I did college seminary for four years in Dallas. So I was living. Oh, technically Irving. Okay. So I was living in Irving. You know, for the school year. Um, but still Texas. But still Texas. Did you always want to become a priest? No, I did not even consider the priesthood until my senior year in high school at Stephen F. Austin in Sugarland is the first time I considered it. So I guess. This is a good segue into the story of how I how I got here. So, um, <clears throat> we so we grew up Catholic. I was you know baptized as an infant 
and we went to mass every single Sunday as a family. Okay. Um, we were actually attendees of the the vigil mass on Saturdays. Okay. Uh, people in the seminary would give me a hard time about that. Why like, is that? Yeah, I don't know. Because it's, <laughs> it's not on Sunday. I guess. I don't know. But <laughs> so, but we we went every Sunday, Saturday night as a family. Um, so you know, we definitely had the virtue of religion. Um, but yeah, so we were really good about that. But that was, you know, kind of the extent of it. I did a little bit of um, like CCE here and there. Uh-huh. Um, and we bounced around between um, St. Teresa's in Sugarland, okay. Sacred Heart in Richmond. And and then right as I entered seminary, uh, St. Lawrence became our home parish, St. Lawrence Sugarland. Um, so we grew up going to Mass. And yeah, I never considered the priesthood until my senior year. I was actually at... Sacred Heart Richmond, um, preparing for confirmation. Uh-huh. We do confirmation as uh, we did it as seniors at Sacred Heart in Richmond. So as my senior year of high school, I had already been accepted to go to the University of Oklahoma. So I was planning on going there. Okay. Uh, and I was going to study aerospace engineering because um, I've always wanted to be a pilot. That was like ever since I was little. Um, still love aviation. Uh-huh. Uh huh. So you probably know. You, you don't want to go to the airport with me because I just I just love it too much. I, I got to see all the all the aircrafts out the window. Uh, uh-huh. People also make fun of me for that. But um, so yeah, was going to go to the University of Oklahoma. Wanted to be a pilot, um, but it was about I think October in my senior year of high school as I'm preparing for confirmation. Um, you know, we had one or two nights before the actual confirmation. We had the the rehearsal. As we always have. Okay. You know, we have to know what we're doing. Yes. On the day of the confirmation, so we have to practice everything. So we were there. Um, I was there with my grandpa, who was my sponsor, and we were in the pews, um, just sitting there waiting for uh-huh. uh, for the practice to start. And yeah, you know, I was just sitting there next to my grandpa, and I noticed up in the front of the church, uh, the pastor. This was at Sacred Heart Richmond. I think I mentioned that. The pastor was sitting up in the front of the pew, uh, in the front of the church, in one of the front pews, just by himself, waiting, you know, because he was just going to be present for the rehearsal. Uh huh. Um, and I saw him, and this one particular time, I just had this very strong desire, like in my heart, uh, like to be a priest, to be a parish priest. Um, I, I guess in that day, God made it known to me. That he was calling me, um, and it, it's interesting because I've thought a lot about that. I've never. Uh, we grew up Catholic. Uh-huh. I I went to mass every weekend my whole life. I saw priests thousands of times. I saw this one particular priest hundreds of times. But you never had a thought, and I never even considered the priesthood. I think the only other time it ever came up one time maybe in middle school, my dad asked, "Would you ever consider being a priest?" And I uh-huh. said, "No." And that was it. It was your dad who asked that. Yes, he he did ask me that one time. I do I do I do remember that. And I said no. And then that was that. But yeah, this one particular day, I just I never you know never had thought about, it, never even entered my mind. And when when I when I started to really you know notice this desire in my heart and feel this draw towards the priesthood, I think for a while uh, I kind of sat on it for maybe a week or two. Okay. Um, and then eventually I told my mom. She was the first person I told. Uh-huh. And she said, you know you can't get married, right? <laughs> I said, wait, are you serious? No. I said, yes, I know. Um, 
So she was kind of surprised, very supportive, but uh-huh. surprised. To what be do you fair, think it was there? kind of out of left field. I had never even mentioned it before. Oh, so just like it was just out of nowhere. Okay. Um, and my dad, he claims he wasn't surprised. Uh huh. I don't know. Maybe you think I don't he know. was. I don't know. <laughs> maybe, maybe not. Who knows? What about your um, um, your siblings? They were supportive. I, I think a little bit, as siblings do, poked a little bit of fun. Uh huh. Um, but no, you know, everyone in my family was very supportive. Very, very supportive. So eventually, I after I told my parents, I eventually, I think I. Finally got in touch with Father Drew Wood because by this time we had just switched over to St. Lawrence okay. in Sugarland. So I went and met with Father Drew Wood, who's still the pastor there, and I said, um, hey, you know, I'm thinking about potentially being a priest. What uh-huh. what does that look like? What do I need to do? Are there different kinds of priests? What? How do I do this? What, what do I need to do? Uh-huh. And he gave me the contact information for Father Dat. Father Dat Huang was the vocations director yes. at the time. So he said, "What you're, you know?" He answered all my basic questions about, you know, there's diocesan priests. There are priests who belong to religious orders. Yes. Um, you know, you have to go to the seminary, things like that. So he answered all my basic questions, um, and he said, "But you know, you should call Father Dat and get in touch with him." Um, and and because he's the vocations director, that's the guy who's in charge of all the seminarians. Yes, and the ones who are you know thinking about applying or discerning. Mm-hmm. Um, so a couple weeks later, I finally did reach out to Father Dat. I you know called him on the phone, introduced myself. Um, you know, and he was very excited, and he said, "Okay, I'm going to send you a book to to save a thousand souls, which is the discernment book." Uh huh. So he sent that to me in the mail, and he said, "Hey, Chad, by the way, we have." Um, this retreat coming up, the men's discernment retreat. I think it was going to be in January. This is probably November by now. Okay. Maybe even maybe December actually. He said in January, beginning of January, we're going to have this men's discernment retreat. Uh, you should come. You know, it's 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 all guys who are eighteen to thirty five discerning the priesthood. Uh, so you should definitely come. And I said, sounds great. I'll be there. Uh huh. So I registered for the for the retreat. And probably like two or three days before the retreat, I got cold feet. I wasn't I, – when I was growing up, I went on the two mandatory confirmation retreats. Uh-huh. And that was I it. I didn't do – like I didn't do church retreats. I just wasn't something I did. Uh-huh. Wasn't something I was interested in doing. Uh, so two or three days before, I said, you know, I don't really think I want to be a priest. <laughs> you know, I Was just, it the retreat itself or – I think the retreat itself. I think there's also just in, with the, with the seminary. There are a lot of unknowns. It is something totally different, right? Okay. Than anything I had ever ever even considered or or experienced in my. So I didn't really know what to expect. So there's probably a lot of fear there too. Okay. Um. So I I just decided I was like I I, I don't I can't do this. I don't want to do this. <laughs> uh. So I I think I just called the vocations office and said, Hey, you know what? I decided. I'm not interested. Okay. I'm not going to go on this retreat. Did they say anything? Uh, they, to... No, they're, they, they, they're very respectful. They're like, okay, you know, they're not going to try to twist your arm. Of course. So, you know, I think I was emailing her. I think I called Maricela, who's 
the secretary in the vocations office. Okay. And I just told her, and she said, okay, you know, great. Thanks for calling. Mm-hmm. Um, so probably two weeks later, I get an email from the vocations office because once they have you – once they have your contact info, you're in the system. You're in the system. <laughs> it's game over for you. No. They're, but they're going to continue to keep you in the loop yeah. on vocation things. Keep tabs on you. Just and see if so you change your mind. Yeah. A couple weeks later, mid January, I get an email from the vocations office, and it was an ordination announcement because that year, January 2012, there were two priests that were going to be ordained early. Typically, okay. the ordinations are in June, but two yes. guys got ordained in January. Okay. And so they were sending out – they sent out an announcement of this ordination. These two okay. guys are getting ordained. You know, thanks be to God. Uh-huh. It's this day, this time at the co-cathedral. Okay. And I saw it, and just seeing it, I thought, oh, man, like I still like I still want to be a priest. This uh-huh. is so awesome. Yes. Um, so at that, I was like, ah, I got to call Father Dat back. <laughs> <laughs> so – I think I called Father Dat. No, you know what? Sorry. Also, so I th- no, I did call Father Dat back and told him that I was, you know, interested. Yes. Again, and I wanted to meet with him, and he also recommended, and I think it mentioned this in the book to save a thousand souls. You know, getting a spiritual director. Okay. And so I tried to get a spiritual director, and long story short, my spiritual director became Father Tom Hawkshurst, who was the guy in that email. That had just been ordained. Oh, wow. He was sent to St. Lawrence as the vicar, his first assignment. So he got there in probably February, and he became my spiritual director. Wow. So, so, so yeah, I start meeting with, you know, Father Tom, but probably right before that, no, actually mid-February, I went and met Father Dad in person. I went to the seminary, St. Mary's Seminary, to meet with him, Uh and... They were having – I went for the Sunday Mass at the seminary, and it was the Mass for installation of lectors. Okay. Because in, in formation for the priesthood, uh, you first are installed as a lector. This is the way we do it at St. Mary's. Other seminaries do it in different orders. Okay. But we do – you get installed as a lector. Okay. And then you get installed as an acolyte, and then you receive candidacy. Okay. Which makes you an official candidate for holy orders, and then you're ordained a deacon and then priest. Okay. So I was going to to a mass at the seminary, and it was the installation of lectors. So it was all of the guys in first theology being installed as lector, which means there's a bishop there doing it, saying the mass, and installing them as lectors. So I go to the mass, and then after mass, I meet. We go to brunch, and so I sit with the guys uh-huh. at the brunch table, um, and then afterwards, Father Dad and I spoke one on one. Um, and we were just walking around the campus, and he was, you know, just asking me you know, just the basic discernment questions, mm-hmm. you know, have you considered religious life, you know? And I said, well, I don't really know what the difference is between, you know, diocesan priesthood. Like, what's the difference? Okay. I didn't know any religious orders either. Okay. Um, and so he said, he gave me an analogy. I think it's a fairly common analogy, but I found it very helpful he said, because priests that belong to religious orders, you know, Dominicans, Jesuits, yes. Norbertines, mm-hmm. things like that, those priests have a special charism, right? So one kind of the Dominicans, you know, study their preachers and a lot of times their teachers. Yes. So <clears throat> he said one way to think about this, Chad, is 
a diocesan priest, if you're going to compare priesthood to being a doctor, he said a diocesan priest is like a general practitioner. Okay. And a religious priest is like a specialist. Okay. You know, because as a diocesan priest, you get a little bit of everything. Okay. You're in a parish, you know, baptisms, weddings, mass, funerals, confessions, anointings, mm-hmm. everything. Yes. Um, religious priests are sometimes in parishes, but other times they have other assignments, you know, in a classroom or, or you know, whatever it may be. And when he said that, in my mind, it was very clear, like, um, diocesan, all the way. All the way. So, and, and I think part of it also, I didn't, I didn't know any religious orders. I didn't have any exposure to any religious orders. Mm-hmm. Now, that doesn't mean, you know, that I couldn't have been called to religious life. Mm-hmm. Um, I just, I didn't have any experience whatsoever. I don't even know if, I, I could probably have named one or two, I don't know, but uh-huh. I didn't, I just didn't know. So, it wasn't really, that wasn't a big part of the discernment for me. Um, it wasn't on the top of your mind. No, no, no. Okay. So, so yeah, Father Dad and I continued to talk, and he, I kind of remember him starting to talk about applying right out of high school. So, this is February of my senior year, mm-hmm. and he starts talking about applying out of high school. And for me, I was getting a little bit uncomfortable. Uh-huh. I just didn't know if I was ready to do that. I, you know, I I was just really kind of nervous about that idea. Okay. Um, so, you know, we left off with there. I went home, and I was talking to my mom about, you know, what we talked about. I said, I don't know if I'd want to apply out of high school. It seems uh, kind of scary. I I just wasn't ready for it. Because you weren't like Father Dad, because he said in his interview that ever since he was a child, he wanted to become yeah, a priest. No, no, so he no. was gung-ho after yeah. high school. Okay, yeah. I'm going in no, there. I wasn't like that at all. Yeah. I think for me, there were also still a lot of unknowns about um, what seminary would be like. Mm-hmm. Um, if I went out of high school, would I also be going to college? You know, those basic kind of questions. Okay. So I was really kind of uneasy with the idea of applying out of high school. But when after I came back from meeting with Father Dad, um, you know, I, I tried to continue to to pray about it, and I went to spiritual direction. And I think one of the challenges for me that I remember kind of thinking about as I was discerning was, especially when it came to prayer, I would often think, how am I, God, how am I supposed to know if this is just me wanting to do this or you calling me? Mm. It's kind of a tricky yeah question and i think a lot of guys might have that but for me so that was kind of hard for me um because you know i wasn't hearing god's voice or anything but i had this desire in my heart um and so i continued to try to keep praying going to spiritual direction with father tom and probably about a month later so in march there isn't any particular event or moment that i can point to but i just became comfortable with the idea of going out of high school. It just, I, I was okay with it. Okay. And like I said, there's no one particular moment, one particular event that I can point to where I knew. It just kind of happened gradually. I think, this may be wrong, but I, I seem to remember the first time I actually said I was going to apply uh-huh. was at baseball practice. I think I told one of the guys on my team, I said, you know, I think I actually am going to apply. I think I'm going to do it. Did you play varsity? I did at, at Austin, baseball and football. So... So, yeah, I think I was at baseball practice, and I told the guy, one of my teammates, yeah, I think I'm going to apply. So I called, I called Father Dat in, you know, in March, and I think over spring break, 
started the application process. Okay. And went through it all. And then, you know, come May 1st, uh, I had my final interview with the admissions panel. And I was accepted as a seminarian. And and for me, I think, you know, this, I was still definitely pretty nervous and kind of afraid because I just didn't know what seminary was going to be like. Uh-huh. It was something so new for me, right? And I think a lot of us oftentimes don't really like change that much. Yes. It's, it's kind of scary. And uh, so for me, I, I think I was still a little nervous, a little afraid just uh-huh. about what seminary would be like. I didn't really know what to expect. So, yeah, but May 1st, I was accepted, and then... I hope you didn't put a down payment on your college already, did you? No, 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 no. <laughs> You said uh, OU, right? OU, yeah, yeah. I was going to go to OU. But so now I had to, you know, with the application process, part of the application was applying to the University of Dallas. Okay. Because I went to Holy Trinity College Seminary, okay. which is up in Irving. So there's Holy Trinity, and right next door is the University of Dallas, which yes. is a small Catholic liberal arts college. So I had to apply also to the University of Dallas. And so I got accepted. You know, so I got accepted everywhere, you know, Holy Trinity, UD, mm-hmm. with the diocese. So over the summer, I graduated, I think, the beginning of June 2012. Uh-huh. Um, and then that summer, I, I, you know, I had a little job. I was working at a dog kennel okay. for people to, to board their dogs. Okay. It was a fun job. I enjoyed like it. Like a little dog hotel or Yeah, basically. Yeah. But so it's just basically, you know, taking dogs in and out all day, playing fetch. You know, okay, so you didn't go straight into the... <laughs> no, so I just the, had the summer, you know. Okay. So, but over the summer, there were a couple seminary events that I had to go to. Okay. And the first one was the Explore Retreat, which is a retreat for high schoolers discerning the priesthood. And it's staffed by the seminarians. Okay. And... They, Father Dad told me, he, he, Father Dad gave me a list of all of the things, you know, here's what we have going on this summer. Yes. We have this explore retreat. Uh, so, you know, come to that. So I went to the seminary, it was at St. Mary's Seminary. It's usually the first week or two of June. So I went and was on staff for the explore retreat. Mm-hmm. I had never done anything like it. I think on that retreat was the first time I served Mass. I had never altar served. And what was that like? That was my first time to really meet a lot of the guys. Um, Did it, it make you feel better? Yeah, I, it was. Yeah, a little more comfortable. Um, I remember at the Explore Retreat before the retreat started. You know, we were there getting things ready, things mm-hmm. like that, and we needed to pick something up from the chancery, and. Now, Father Justin Cormie, back then just Justin Cormie, uh-huh. he was going into third year philosophy. He was going to pick something up from the chancery, and he said, Chad, come with me. Okay. We're going to go to the chancery. I'll show you, you know, around the uh-huh. chancery because we got to pick some stuff up for the retreat. Okay. And uh, so we go, we're driving to the chancery, and I, one of the things he said was, so we had our, we had our Explore t-shirt and shorts on. You okay. Know, you know, just casual for the retreat and he said typically when you go to the chancery you know you don't really want to wear shorts yes you want to wear like at least a polo and khakis because you might run into you know the archbishop or or someone you know really important yeah and i said (laughs) okay good to know so we get there in our t-shirt and shorts and sure enough we actually see archbishop fiorenza in in the elevator and he was like see (laughs) um but some of the things i do remember from that trip to the chancery and back was just asking him a lot of the basic questions about 
what goes on at seminary because he was also at Holy Trinity Seminary. He was okay. going to his third year there. Um, so just asking him about what it's like. What are the guys like? What do people do? What do people do on the weekends? Uh-huh. What you know? And, and he gave me a lot of good um, insights and 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 made so you more comfortable. I, I was learning a lot more about uh-huh. what seminary was like. Um, so yeah, I went through you know with the Explore Retreat helped out, and then also back then we used to have. Uh, once a month in, in June and July, we would have seminary and gatherings during the summer just to get together. Uh-huh. You know, we would pray evening prayer, have dinner, hang out, just just for some fraternity during the summer. And so I went to both of those, and that was another time where, you know, I, I, I was able to be with the seminarians. Um, now, the priests that were um, ordained with you, were they in these retreats as well? No. So the three guys that were ordained with me yes. all entered after me. Okay. I entered in 2012. Father Hugh, Father Wayne and Father Joseph entered in 2013, okay. one year after me. And Father Houston entered in 2014. Okay. So um, this is a different group of guys that you were with in these retreats. Yes, yes. I actually did enter seminary with Father David Michael. Okay. We so entered at the same time. At the same time. Yeah, at the same time. That's cool. Um, but as I'm sure at least everyone here at St. Faustina knows um, – he was he was fast tracked. Yes, he was. He already had his college. He degree. had some college credits so, from yeah homeschool. But we did enter at the same time. We That's cool. Here in the fall of 2012, um, and then yeah, so I was just going through the summer, and then at in August, beginning of August, we have convocation, mm-hmm. which over the course of my years in seminary, convocation was typically my favorite three days of the whole year. Really, why is that? I just always loved convocation. Just. We would just hang out down at a lake house uh-huh. and just do nothing. Just hang out. <laughs> I just loved it. I was all about convocation. Just hanging out with the other guys. Oh, just hanging out. It was great. All, all, all about convocation. What were your family? What were they like during the entire process? Like from when you were deciding whether or not you were going to go into the seminary towards this point before you actually enter? I think that before all else, they were all very supportive. Mm-hmm. But I think they also you know, had some of the same basic questions that I had. Mm-hmm. Like I remember my dad asking me about the process of, okay, if you go to college seminary, do, are you going to college too? Do you get a degree? How does this work? Things like that. Those general and questions. Just the general questions, but all very supportive, really super supportive. Questions like, what if you leave? You, yeah, yeah, just no, discern yeah. out. Just, yeah, yeah, the basic, the basic yeah. stuff, yeah. But very supportive. Do you think it would have been different if you were the eldest son? In our family, I don't think it would have. I, okay. I, don't, I don't think it would have. Or if you were the only son, would it have been different? I don't think so. Was there any pressure on you? Do you think there would have been pressure on you if you were the only son to not go into the seminary? I don't think so. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, I don't really. I think my parents would have been fine with it, even if, okay. if I was the only son or even if I was just an only child. Uh-huh. I think they. I honestly think they would have been totally supportive of We've it. had other priests come in say that there were some some classmates that they had whose oh, families yeah. I mean, have had yeah. difficulty. Oh, yeah. It's definitely a common tale. Um, there are a lot of guys um, that whose families don't really support them. Um, but mine, mine did all the way, all the way through. That's good. Do you think that it, it made it a little easier for you to enter the seminary since they were that supportive? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, I definitely think so. I don't I guess because I never had to go through or experience any sort of kind of backlash from them or encouragements not to go. Uh-huh. 
But I never really even have thought much about that. But looking back, yeah, I think the fact that they were very supportive, yeah, made it easier. So you go to Dallas for yeah. for how many years were you there? I was there for four years. So I started in Dallas in the fall of 2012, August. We showed up, I think it was August 19th, 2012, rolled in Irving, Texas uh-huh. to, to uh, Holy Trinity Seminary. One thing I do remember, and I've told this story to him, to uh, now Father Ricardo Ariola. Okay. Who was also on the show previously. Yes, and he, him and I entered the same year as well. Okay. But I remember one time, I was driving up to Holy Trinity Seminary on move-in day. Okay. Move-in day, right? I'm driving on I-45. And I remember in my rearview mirror seeing this car coming up behind me and then just... You know where, where the drivers like just do that thing where they just really casually just change lanes, blow by you, and then change right back? Yes. It was one of those, and I looked over, and it was Ricardo Ariola. <laughs> and you knew him already at that time. Yes, because we had met. We have new seminary and orientation uh-huh. in August as well, before convocation, so I knew who he was. So and I remember there, looking like, over and seeing him, like, whoa, Son of a God, look at this guy, right? <laughs> I guess he's really eager to get to Holy Trinity. No, um... So, yeah, I, I showed up August 19th, uh-huh. 2012, Holy Trinity Seminary. Um, you know, my parents came with me, helped me unpack, set my room up, do everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, that that evening we have mass together with with all the families and the chapel at Holy Trinity Seminary. And then after mass, parents leave, and then we are now... In it to win it. Oh, yes. So we, after, you know, we would go for, we had dinner, my first meal at seminary. Um, and so your then, parents went with you there? Yeah, yeah. That's good. Um, but yeah, so, and then, so we had orientation, just like your usual stuff. Uh-huh. But one thing that's really unique about the seminary, as opposed to, I think, just regular college students, all of us, like my classmates, when I entered in my class, I think there were, you know... The freshman class, 2012, I think there was there were probably at least 15 to 18 guys okay. in my class. But we all bonded very quickly. And I think part of that is because we were spending so much time together. We were, you know, living uh-huh. in the same house, essentially, doing everything together every single day. Yes. And we were all pursuing this one, you know goal, you know, priesthood. It's a fraternity of sorts. Exactly, yes. Yeah. So we all bonded very quickly. Um, and yeah, so I made really good friends um, in the seminary. And of course, some of the guys leave, you know, which is really sad. A very good friend of mine who entered with me um, just probably f- four months ago, I baptized his son. Wow. Um, that was when I was a deacon. Uh-huh. Um, and then I'm doing another friend's wedding. Uh, this April. Who was also in the seminary. Who was in the seminary with me. That's awesome. Um, so, yeah, guys definitely leave, but the friendships are are very, oh, yeah. very good, very strong, good friendships. It's a bonding um, that it's a different kind of bond. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So, yeah, my four years at HTS were great. Um, definitely a lot of, a lot of growth. Mm-hmm. I remember pretty early on, in seminary, because you know it's you're living in a communal setting. Yes, right. We all have our own rooms, but you know you're living in a house together. You know, communal bathrooms. We have, you know, group meals. Uh huh. 
And very quickly, I just remember realizing, like, it, it hit me like a ton of bricks. Just the reality that, wow, there are different ways to do things in life. Because I was just growing up oh. was so used to the way we the way we lived life and just seeing that other guys did things differently than I did. I was like, wow, didn't really realize. Do you have an example of, I'm trying to think of any good examples. It's just normal everyday things. Just normal everyday things. The procedure in which they do things. Um, Here's one kind of a funny one that I can think of. Um, Anytime, like if, if I were to order, let's just say a a t-shirt from Amazon. Okay. Okay. Before I wear that shirt, I'm going to wash it. Yes. Of course. My wife's like that. But there were guys who were like, no, I don't wash the shirt. It's clean. Why would I wash it? <laughs> right when it comes in, I wear it. But for me, I was like, are you crazy? Um, I'm gonna, I, so that's just a little funny example. That was one of the things that when my wife and I first got married, she was yeah. like, why are you going to wear that? We've got to wash it first. Yeah. So I've gotten used to that now. Yeah. So tons of things <laughs> just like that where I just realized that there, you know, people do things different ways, which is one of the great things about living in community, it really, in a lot of ways, kind of, you know, um, breaks you down a little bit uh-huh. um, and allows you to be, you know, more flexible in certain things. Um, and so I definitely experienced that pretty early on, just the reality of um, everyone does things different ways. It's just the way life is, you know. Yeah, that's funny. You Families know? are yeah. different. And I had just, you know, because I, I, I didn't, you know, like I said, I, I didn't really go on a lot of retreats. Okay. I went on one overnight summer camp when I was a kid. Okay. Like the, you know, the week long sleepover camp. Okay. Um, I went to Pine Cove one summer just once. Um, so, you know, I was kind of a homebody. Okay. Um, so I was just used to, you know, my, my family, the way we did things. Your world. Yeah. Exactly. And so seminary kind of broke that down. It's funny because, you know, a lot of people think, oh, seminary, you're enclosed, but actually your eyes are being oh, yeah. open. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, so, but yeah, so a lot of stuff like that. Um, and just, like I said, a, a lot of really good, really good friendships, very strong fraternal bonds um, that I'm really thankful for. And one thing that I've, I've looking back, I've actually told this to some of the younger seminarians who are just now starting out uh-huh. is when you start seminary, you think, wow, nine years of this is going to take forever. Yeah. Which it does take a long time. Don't get me wrong. But at the same time, seminary is very enjoyable. Like it was some of the best years of my life. Uh-huh. Um, the fraternity, living in community, uh-huh. um, you know, prayer, right? So don't try to speed through seminary and just get to the end. Number one, because like when you're just starting out, you're not ready to be a priest yet. I wasn't ready to be a priest when I was 18. Okay. Right? You weren't like some of the other guys who were like, oh, 100%, I'm in. You were still I mean, I, I wanted, I definitely wanted to be a priest, but I uh-huh. just think I wasn't ready. Okay. Kind of just That's as, what you a, mean. as a human person. Oh, yeah. I didn't you have the formation. Be, yeah. I needed to grow a lot. Mm-hmm. Um. And so, yeah, so don't try to speed through seminary. You know, just enjoy this time because uh-huh. you're not going to get it again, right? Yeah, that's true. And I've already experienced that as a priest. There are things that I – a lot of things I don't miss about the seminary. But there are definitely some things that I do miss about the seminary, one of them being the the communal life, right? In the seminary, one of the things that you said, there's always someone around yes. that you can hang out with. Yeah. Right? There's always someone. <laughs> Another one of the guys. Yeah. yeah. 
Um, but it's just, it's different in a parish. So you guys walk around as a group on campus, hanging oh, yeah. out and everything. Oh. So yeah, at, at the University of Dallas, yeah, we we moved as one. That's um, cool. Like we, we didn't have all of our classes together uh-huh. um, because it, it was, you know, a normal um, university type university. Setting, yeah. there, you know, there were students who just were going to UD that weren't seminarians, right? Okay. Um, there were men and women at UD. Uh-huh. And um, so we had to just sign up for our classes just like all the regular students. So typically there'd be, depending on the class, there'd typically usually be at least two or three other seminarians with you. Okay. Occasionally, I never experienced this. Maybe I did. I don't know. Occasionally, there would be a situation where a guy was alone without any other seminarian. Okay. But typically, you'd have at least two or three other guys. Uh-huh. Um, but we're all, you know, taking the same classes, just different sections. So the professors. chances of you being together are a lot yeah. greater. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, I, I remember the, the rush to get registered for classes. You know, they'd uh-huh. say, okay, uh, freshman, your registration for... Spring semester opens up this day at 3 p.m. You know, we'd all be in the computer lab or on our laptops <laughs> at like 2.55, just like waiting. Refresh. And refresh, then inevitably, yeah. <laughs> there would always be one guy who is now a priest in Arkansas, a good friend of mine, <laughs> Father Joe Friend, who just, something would always go wrong with his oh no his computer or his registration. <laughs> and we would just make fun of him saying, oh man, you're going you're gonna to be taking classes out in the dumpster. You're going to get the worst sections. Um but inevitably, so yeah, just a lot of just living life together, uh-huh. um, trying to grow, you know, in holiness and virtue. Um, and another thing in seminary that I got really good at, I think, was kind of just doing nothing. We would spend a lot of time together uh-huh. just doing nothing. Just hanging out. Exactly. Uh-huh. Um, which is, it, it's definitely not a waste of time at all. Because you're bonding. Yeah. Exactly. So... A lot of a lot of that just kind of just being together, you know, not even doing anything, just talking, uh-huh. making fun of each other. Because um, these are other guys who are discerning too. Exactly. So, yeah. So just a lot of really great time uh, with good good friends, brothers, really, um, that I'm really thankful for. Um, and I and I do I do miss that aspect of the seminary already. Now you did say that there were. You know, you, you hung out with groups and there were girls as well. What was your relationship like with the girls on the campus knowing that you were, you know, in the seminary? So <clears throat> it's kind of different per for each guy. I, I typically, I'm normally more shy, especially when I don't know you. Uh-huh. I'm more reserved. Okay. And so for me, I was pretty reserved on campus. I mostly stayed with the seminarians. Okay. Like I wasn't really one you know, to be really kind of gregarious, outgoing, mm-hmm. meeting everyone on campus. Uh-huh. I was very content just hanging out with the seminarians. So for me, other guys were different. Very sociable um, and oh, all yeah. that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, but, you know, of course, there are girls on campus, you know, that you like. Uh-huh. And what, uh, the funny thing about the seminaries, too, is just talking about that kind of stuff with, 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 the, other, with the other guys. Uh-huh. Um, it's always just good conversation. All right. So uh, some of the other guests, priests and, and deacons that have been on the show, they've talked about chalice chippers. Have you had any encounters with chalice chippers? I mean, yes, but they're not not for them coming for me. I, I mean, I've uh-huh. seen them, you know, on campus and, and things. Um, I, I think people are intrigued, I guess, 
by seminarians. Okay. Or as, you know, this big group of guys that are all off limits. <laughs> it's kind of a weird um, situation. Oh, another funny story. Like, oh, so all oh, those are the seminarians. Exactly. Right yeah. So one time <laughs> in the seminary, we would have free weekends about once a month. Uh-huh. There was a weekend for, you know, from Friday night until Sunday night, you were free. You could leave. Okay. A lot of guys would go home. Some guys would stay. Um, but I think it was my junior year, me and a buddy said, hey, let's go to St. Louis. We'll go to a Cardinals game. How many hours is that? It was a long way. So we went to a Cardinals game, you know, went to the Basilica in St. Louis, which is awesome. Uh-huh. But <clears throat> maybe two months later, we were talking about going to Kansas City. Okay. To go to a Royals game. <laughs> and so me and this friend, we had three other guys came with us this time. The okay. first time it was just me and him. The second time, three other guys came. So there were five of us. We drove up to Kansas City and we went to a Royals game. All right. But what's funny is at the Royals game, we were up in the nosebleeds. Okay. And there was the five of us. And in our section... There was a group of probably 100 sorority girls from a local <laughs> university. I think University of Missouri, maybe, or okay. something, that were on some, you know, sorority outing. Okay. And the the family behind us was like saying, oh, go talk to him. Go talk to him. You know, we're like, you don't understand the situation. <laughs> well, they didn't know you guys were seminarians. No, 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 no. They're like, go talk to him. You know, it's like all, all these this. girls, right? Like, go talk to him. Go talk to him. <laughs> but uh, we we're like, you don't understand the situation here. Did you tell them? I, th- I think, yeah, we told them, we're like, hey, we're actually seminarians, so we're, you know, we're celibate. <laughs> um, but yeah, a lot of a lot of little funny situations like that have happened. I remember one time I was at Chick-fil-A with a buddy, uh-huh. and there was this huge group of women who were on some Mary Kay convention, you know, the makeup? Okay, yes, yes. And <clears throat> this lady started talking to us when we were in line or something. She's said, trying oh, to sell you? Exactly. You know, hey, you know... <laughs> Young men, you should get some get some makeup or something for your girlfriends. We're like, no, we're okay. Uh, and she, what about like your wife? We're like, no, we're okay. And she, we eventually were like, no, we're seminarians, so we're becoming priests. So we're, yes. we don't have girlfriends and we're not getting married. Yes. So there's no one we can buy makeup for. Um, so just a lot of kind of funny little things like that. But no, you know, those – "Quote unquote chalice chippers, the aggressive girls. You know. uh, they were never, they were never coming after me. Maybe my looks weren't good enough. Um, <laughs> you know, who knows? But they didn't see you on the the baseball field. That's what it was. That's right? what it was. Surely, that's surely what it was. But yeah, no, never, uh, never coming after me. So, who knows? What about some of the other guys? Do they ever tell you their experiences? Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, that's one of the main things that you know guys would talk about. Uh huh. Um, Back, are you guys back in the seminary? Are you guys like um, wingmen of sort, keeping tabs on the other guys? Oh yeah, for sure, for sure. What was that like? It's always good. Just you know, it, we always were just really good about communication. Uh huh. Because um, I think one one of the things that that can potentially get guys in trouble is when when they get really isolated. You know about. Um, when you don't have the wingman yeah. in their life. <clears throat> um, yeah. But we were always really, you know, super open about, you know, the, the different girls that we liked on campus. Uh-huh. Um, this is what I'm thinking. You know, it would be Because it's only great. natural yeah, to, no, to yeah, like yeah, yeah, somebody. Exactly. Uh, it would be great if I could just leave the seminary uh-huh. and, you know, be in a relationship. You know, uh-huh. It's all that kind of stuff. You know, we talked about it a lot for sure. Now, one thing that a lot of the guests that have been on the show 
have talked about are the pranks that happen in the seminary. Yeah. So I remember my first year at HTS, at Holy Trinity Seminary. So whenever I say HTS, Holy Trinity Seminary. Yes. So my first year at HTS, 18 years old, you know, a lot of my classmates were 18 or 19. Still very immature. Exactly. So we decided we were going to pull a prank on the seniors. Oh, boy. Like, this is a genius idea. <laughs> so we ordered 3,000 styrofoam cups. Okay. And at HTS, the hallways are like a T, right? Okay. So you have, you know, down here there are some rooms. There's usually a computer room. Okay. Then there's the T. Okay. And when you go up on the T, these, most of the bedrooms are all, you know, here. This is where the guys are. Okay. So there's a T, right? So we said we're going to get 3,000 styrofoam cups. And in order to get to the chapel and really anywhere, you know, to the place where we eat, the refectory, yes. you have to come down – you know, from your room, and then come down the T. Down the T, okay. Because this 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 would connect you to the main to everything else building. Yeah. Okay. So we said we are going to put three thousand styrofoam cups right in the middle of the T. Okay. At the intersection. Okay. We're going to place them, you know, side by side. Yes. And fill them up with water. All around the yes. T. And so we did it one night. We woke up at I think two or three in the morning, <laughs> and we went over there, and we, you know. Put all these cups out in the tea. Yes. Filled them all with water. Okay. And then left, you know, and then <clears> – <throat> but what happened was apparently one guy who was a senior uh-huh. who was the early bird woke up. And this is like the one guy you wouldn't want oh, to no. have to clean everything. <laughs> he ended up cleaning it all himself. Wow. Like, or at least created a pathway. Okay. Like just one, just pouring the water out. Oh boy! And it was like the nicest guy ever. The one oh, guy no. you wouldn't want. Oh, not because he was going to get mad. No, but because he was just because too he nice. was such an amazing guy. Oh, yeah. Oh no! So he just cleaned it up all by himself, just quietly. Yeah, he didn't quietly. complain or anything, huh? No, you didn't hear any yelling in the middle of the night. Or... Nope, nothing. Wow! Did it make you feel bad? No. What actually got really <laughs> irritating was we think the seniors. I don't know how this happened, uh-huh. but the, this conversation arose about us having stolen those styrofoam cups from the refectory. Oh, no. From the kitchen, which we did, and we purchased them, and we had a receipt for okay. it. Okay. So, somebody told the rector, like, we think they stole the cups or something, you know. <laughs> Tried to Or that somehow <laughs> came up that we stole the cups from the kitchen. Uh-huh. And so, we had to go meet with the rector who said, you know, okay – you know, did you steal these cups? And we're like, no. And we showed him the receipt. It's a good thing you kept the receipt. Oh, I know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, that was that was the biggest prank I was a part of. I'm trying to think if there are any other, um, any other pranks that I was a part of. I don't think I was ever I a think part of any other ones. Was it, were you involved in this one? Father Joseph said something about uh, one of, one of the guys who looked like Willem Dafoe. Is it? Were you a part of that? Where they would put pictures of Willem Dafoe everywhere? For no, him? that. So Joseph, Father Joseph, was one year behind me. Okay, that's right. So I, I, I remember his class. I think they were pretty big about pranking each other. Okay. So they were probably doing that to each other. Um, okay. Because he was one year behind me. I forget that. That's at, right. At Holy Trinity, yeah. Okay, so now, did you ever prank any of the? the professors any of the priests no, any of the no, 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 totally no. off limits 
Yeah, no way. <laughs> Did anybody talk about it? No. The, I, I think at the time, <clears throat> the rector was someone that you probably could have pranked, and he, I think he would have kind of appreciated it. He would have been cool about it. he had a really it. good sense of humor. Uh-huh. Um, but I don't, I don't remember... I know I definitely definitely never did. I don't think anyone else did that I remember. Um, <clears throat> that that would be pretty pretty bold. I'm to trying do. to keep count because right now, so far, only Father Dat's class has been the one yeah, to it's, prank. It's it's, it's one that of would the be priests. pretty bold. That'd be pretty bold. <laughs> I think. So you you're there in Dallas for four years. Yeah, for four years. And then you come back to Houston. So, yeah. So, I graduated from HTS and the University of Dallas uh, with a bachelor's degree in philosophy mm-hmm. in, what was it, spring 2016. So, May 2016. So, in the fall of 2016, I came down to St. Mary's Seminary, uh-huh. started First Theology. And the process at St. Mary's Seminary is you have First Theology, mm-hmm. Second Theology, Pastoral Year. Third theology. Okay. At the end of third theology, you get ordained a deacon. Yes. And then fourth theology. So you spend that last year fourth theology as a deacon. Okay. So I came back for uh, to Houston, f- fall 2016. Started first theology at St. Mary's Seminary. Okay. Um, so I was there. I did two years first theology, second theology. Yes. And then for pastoral year, as I mentioned at the beginning, I went down to Galveston, Holy Family Parish in Galveston, which. What's unique about Holy Family Parish in Galveston is that it's actually six churches. Really? But it's clumped together as one parish. Okay. So kind of on the main part of the island, there are four churches. There's okay. St. Patrick, Holy Rosary, okay. St. Mary's Cathedral Basilica, yes. and Sacred Heart. Okay. And then out on the outskirts on Jamaica Beach and Bolivar mm-hmm. Peninsula, okay. there are two other churches, Mary Star of the Sea in Jamaica Beach and Our Lady by the Sea in Bolivar. And that's all one parish. And it's all one parish. That's interesting. They did that after Hurricane Ike. Okay. The diocese consolidated it into one parish. Okay. So there are three priests down there. Father Jude is the pastor. Uh-huh. And the two vicars. Okay. So they got three priests. Um, and they and, juggle and the they masses on all those. Yeah, yeah. Wow. It, it works out pretty nice because between Saturday night uh-huh. and Sunday, there are nine masses. So each priest gets three. Okay. Between Saturday night and Sunday, which is good. That's, that's, that's interesting. So, so I went down there for pastoral year. Uh huh. I loved it. I loved it so much. It was great. That's a nice gig being there in Galveston. Oh, it was huh? great. Yeah, I loved it so much. I actually celebrated my very first mass as a priest at St. Mary's Cathedral Basilica in Galveston. That's awesome. Um, but yeah, so I loved pastoral year, and it, it, it's also a nice break from. The studies. The seminary from the studies. Uh-huh. That was, pastoral year was my first time since before I started pre-K that I wasn't in a classroom. Oh. Because you know, I I went, you know, all the way through school, senior yes. year, and then straight into the seminary. Uh-huh. And then after I graduated college, I went straight into, you know, major seminary at St. Mary's. Uh-huh. So pastoral year was my first time ever in my life in a really, really, really long time that I wasn't in a classroom. For an entire year. Yeah. Yeah. So... You know, I did a lot, and you served uh-huh. all the masses, obviously. Yes. Just was around in the office, um, and I, you know, helped out a lot with with, with our youth program, uh-huh. uh, with, you know, confirmation classes, um, and just the youth ministry in general. Um, was also, you know, pretty active with our, we had a parish school. I would go visit mm-hmm. probably three times a week, just go for lunch or something, and 
just enjoy hanging out. So at this point, you were several years in. Were you yes. already 100% okay? This is- yeah, so on pastoral year, you know, at the end of pastoral year, you're one year away from being ordained a deacon. Yes. And a, when you're ordained, that's when you're locked in. That's when mm-hmm. you promise celibacy, yes. respect and obedience, promise to pray liturgy of the hours. Uh-huh. Um, so, you know, diaconates when, when you're really locked into yes. it. But I mean, in your mindset. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was, you know, ready. No to doubts go. already. Yeah, and I was, yeah, I was ready for it. And, and pastoral year is just great because it really shows you the life of a parish, mm-hmm. the day-to-day life, you know, what the priest is doing. Uh-huh. We would have, over the course of seminary, we would have summer assignments. Yes. So during the summer, we would be assigned to parishes. Mm-hmm. So I was at, um, my first summer was at Blessed Sacrament. Uh-huh. And I was actually there with um, Father Ryan Stallways. Him and I were there together. Okay. Um, so Blessed Sacrament, right by Minute Maid. And then my second summer, I was living at St. Rose of Lima, helping out in the vocations office. My third summer, I went to Costa Rica for Spanish immersion, which was great. Loved it. And then my fourth summer, I was, I went to Omaha, Nebraska to IPF, the Institute for Priestly Formation. Oh, wow. It's, it's essentially a spirituality program. Okay. It's housed at Creighton University. Okay. Um, but a lot of di- diocesan seminarians from around the whole country go. Okay. So we always go in between minor seminary, which is college seminary, yes, and major seminary. So right after I graduated from HTS, that summer I went to IPF, Institute for Priestly Formation, and it's nine weeks of kind of a lot of stuff about spirituality, celibacy, mm-hmm. you know, prayer. Were you the only one in your class? No, I went – so I went with Father Wayne and Father Houston because okay. when Father Wayne entered, even though he was one year after me, he did three years of college seminary. Uh-huh. Um, so we were, although we were at different seminaries, we were on the same timeline, okay. same track. Father Houston came in as a pre-theologian, which meant he already had graduated college. Yes. So he did two years of what's called pre-theology. Yes. Um, and so just because of the, you know, the timing in the year he entered, mm-hmm. we were classmates in first theology. Okay. So us, th- we, we were the guys from Houston that went. I'm trying to think if there's anyone else from Houston. There were a couple other guys who I think, dis- who discerned have since out. discerned out. Okay. Um, so that summer I went to, yeah, to Omaha, Nebraska. That's also the summer where a really good friend of mine left. He left after only two days at IPF. I think he already kind of knew beforehand. Okay. And just being there, he's like, yeah, it's it's time. Um, so that was really, you know, that was really sad when he left. Was that tough for you? Yeah, it was sad, especially because I didn't know. I didn't know about it. I was. He told me about two or three weeks prior that okay. he was considering, that he had been considering this. So I was kind of, you know. It was all still really new to me. Um, and then the summer after Did, First Theology, I went to Resurrection Parish okay. in Denver Harbor uh-huh. and was there. And then the summer after that, I was uh, a chaplain at Memorial Hermann in the Texas Medical Center. So, so you've been around. Yeah. So huh. we, do, we do one summer of hospital chaplaincy in a program called CPE, Clinical Pastoral Education, Okay, which consists of you know, visiting patients in, in hospitals, and then also some classroom stuff. Okay. But for me, it was a really good experience of, of especially visiting the patients, getting exposed to, you know, what it's like to minister people in a hospital. Yes. How to navigate a hospital. Uh-huh. Especially in the medical center. I mean, those things are massive. Yes. Um, but so a lot of good, I had a, lot, I had a really good time at CPE at, at Memorial Hermann. 
Um, and then the summer after after pastoral year. So CPE was right before pastoral year. Uh-huh. Right after pastoral year that summer, I did. Uh, I went on an eight day silent retreat, and then another retreat up in at Steubenville University. Mm-hmm. And then for the whole entire month of July, I went to the Holy Land. Wow! So I was in the Holy Land for the whole month of July. Was that part of, you know, your or is this a separate trip? No. That so that was. You know, part of formation is not required, but okay. the diocese usually gives guys an opportunity to go to the Holy Land. Okay, that's so good. a lot of the seminarians have been to the Holy Land. You know, because it's an important place to go. Of course. So yeah. So and it and it typically happens after pastoral year because that summer is kind of open. Okay. Um, so after pastoral year, I, yeah, I was all of July. I was in the Holy Land. What was that like? It was really good. So I was there for yeah thirty days. So I had a lot of and the program I was with a lot of. Also had a lot of free time built in where I was, you know, you know, weekends were free. So I was able to do what I wanted, go where I wanted. Uh-huh. Um, my, I think my two favorite things were I went to what's called Jacob's Well, which is the well where Jesus met the woman at the well. Okay. And what's interesting, so we were there and you can actually still drink water out of that well. Wow. They have a bucket that goes down and you can yeah. drink water out of it. So. I drank water out of that well, which uh-huh. that was that was pretty amazing. Wow. And then the other thing I really, really liked was the site. They call it the primacy of Peter, where Jesus said to Peter three times, do you love me? Uh-huh. And he says, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Yes. Um, they have, you know, a church there. And they also have part of that gospel scene. It says Jesus was cooking fish uh-huh. on, you know, on, on top of some rocks or something. Okay. They have... That those rocks still there, okay, and they're you know they're inside of the church from what I remember, and it's right on the shore of the Sea of Galilee. Wow! So just touching the water in the Sea of Galilee, yes, saying like this is the place where you know, yeah, Jesus was here a lot. This is the place where you know he asked Peter, "Do you love me?" After his resurrection, wow! So that was another thing that I really really loved, and was just being at the Sea of Galilee, being able to. Touch the water uh-huh. in the Sea of Galilee. Um, they also have. I spent. I was able to spend one whole night in the Holy Sepulchre, the Church of the Holy Sepulchre. You can sign up, and you know they lock the doors at maybe at nine p.m. Uh-huh. and then open them up again at five a.m. and you can stay there the whole night. So me and a couple people from my group, we did it. But what's funny is the next day we actually had to wake up early to go somewhere. So uh-huh. we were planning. Okay, apparently sometimes they would open up the doors at midnight. Okay. If, if someone had to come in or out or something. Okay. But because typically once they close the doors, they don't open them. But yes. they were occasionally they would open them at midnight. So we said, all right, if they open them at midnight, we're going to leave. Yes. So that we can go back and get some sleep. Because I think the next day we were driving out to the Dead Sea. Okay. And But they didn't open the gates. They didn't open the doors at midnight. So we ended up staying from 9 p.m. till about 5 a.m. Okay. In the Holy Sepulchre. Wow. So uh, yeah, it was, it was, wow. it was really awesome. I I did at one point go to some secluded area and try to sleep a little bit. <laughs> I, I couldn't make it all the way through the night. Um, but inside that church is is you know Calvary, and they still have the hole where they wow. put the cross. Wow, where his cross was stuck in the ground. That's amazing. And then the, the tomb um, is really not that far uh-huh. from Calvary. Wow, um, so, that's amazing. Yeah. 
So when you talk about that, the, the way you're talking about it, you kind of get jealous of um, Father Joseph that he's in he's in the Vatican and he's able to go around and go you to know, so many different places. No, because I loved my time at St. Mary's. Uh-huh. Um, I think the thing about going studying in Rome is I think it's really cool at the beginning. Uh-huh. But I think it's, it, it, you definitely miss being away from, from your city, from your diocese, and from also your uh, other seminarians in oh, the same diocese true. as you, yeah. your diocesan brothers. Um, so for me, I'm, I'm very glad that I went to St. Mary's. <laughs> I really loved uh, my time at St. Mary's. And you didn't have to learn Italian, too. I didn't have to learn Italian. I actually <laughs> have, though, I have been to Rome. I went Christmas break of my senior year at HTS with three other guys from HTS. We talked about it in like, I think at the beginning of sophomore year, we said, hey, let's save up and Christmas break of uh-huh. our senior year, let's go to Rome. And we did. So we just started saving our stipends, uh-huh. saved up, and then Christmas break of our senior year, we went to Rome. That's awesome. For about 10 or 11 days or something. Um, That's and we cool. And we stayed at the NAC, which is the North American College. Okay. Where, where the, the, the American seminarians live. Uh, we were able to stay there for a really discounted rate. I mean, was Father just, Joseph there at the time? No, because he was. So we were seniors in college, so uh-huh. he was a junior in college. Okay, so he wasn't there yet. Okay, that's cool. But yeah, it was. Yeah, Rome was cool too. All of these things you were able to do as this you know, yeah, seminarian. Yeah. Do you think we, about we that? got to? Yeah, I know it is pretty crazy how much <laughs> I've, I've got to do. There, yeah, there's a lot of things that I would never have, never have done, or even really thought about doing. Um, I even just experienced that. I remember being in the hospital um, around, because one of the things that I thought about, and so when I was at CPE in the hospital, the hospital that I was at divided their chaplains up by department, right? Okay. So I asked to be in the trauma unit. Oh, wow. So there was, you know, neurology, labor and delivery. Uh Uh-huh. But I asked to be in the trauma unit. And part of the reason I did was because, you know, growing up, really, thanks be to God, I never had to deal with any sort of tragic death Uh or anything. Yeah. Um, I think my first family member that died was when I was in college seminary. My grandfather died. But, you know, overall, like, no real tragic deaths or other tragedies that I had to deal with. And so for me... Part of my thinking was, okay, I don't want the first time I'm dealing with, you know, a grieving person who's grieving the sudden death of uh-huh. someone in their family. I don't want my first time that I'm dealing with that to be as a priest. I need to get some sort of exposure to this. That's good that you thought about priest. that. So I asked yeah. to be in the trauma unit. So I saw a lot, a lot of crazy stuff. Uh-huh. Um, and also during CPE in one of my overnight, sh- we had to do one overnight shift as a chaplain. Okay. Other hospitals require their CP students to do more, but we only had to do one, which okay. I, I liked it. I would have been game for more. Okay. But uh, I actually, I also baptized a, a, a baby um, during CPE. Wow. Um, so a lot of just stuff like that that I like never even would have done or uh-huh. been around if I wasn't, you know, In the seminary, studying yeah. for the priesthood. Do you ever think about where you would be if you didn't go into the priesthood, if you Kept those cold feet? Yeah, no, I have a little bit in passing, but never really spent much time 
thinking about that. Thinking whether or not you would have like joined the Air Force or something because yeah. of your love for planes. Yeah. Or, I just, yeah. I just or tried to pursue in, a minor league career or something like that. I don't think I would have been able to make the cut, but <laughs> I haven't really, yeah, I never really seriously thought about it. There have been times where I've, you know, you know, thought, but for me, I just, I guess ever since I entered the seminary, I just really accepted like, this is my life. This is what I'm doing. Uh-huh. I'm not going to be doing these other things that would be cool too. I just was so, I just really accepted, you know, where I was and what I was doing is like, this is my life. Yes. This is what I'm going to be doing. I'm not going to have these other things. And I didn't really spend much time thinking about, I guess, what could have been or what would have been had I not went to the seminary. Now, let's move forward to your diaconate year. Yes. Where did you spend that? I was a deacon at Resurrection Parish. Okay. Um, but, you know, during the school year, I was at the seminary. And because of co- – so typically deacon mm. year, deacons will go every weekend to their parish or yes. every other weekend at least. Yes. But for us, because of COVID, they didn't have us going in and out. Okay. So we actually were kind of locked down at the seminary. But during the summer as a deacon, I don't want to go into the whole story of our ordination getting pushed back. But when we finally yes. did get ordained <laughs> deacons in July – for the rest of July, I was a deacon at Resurrection Parish. Okay. Um, which is the same parish I had been as a seminarian during a summer a couple years prior. Okay. So I knew the parish. I knew the pastor already. Um, so I was there as a deacon. Um, it's a mostly Hispanic parish. Okay. So I was speaking a lot of Spanish. Okay. And I was able to preach in Spanish and English as well. Um, so I was there. And then once school started, once we went back to the seminary, I was... We were kind of locked in. You had to go into your bubble again. Which I will say, for as many of the rules and restrictions we had at the seminary, Uh my last year at St. Mary's, you know, as a deacon, was probably my best year there. We just had such great community. It was amazing. You know, even with all of the rules that we had, it was a great year. So at at the seminary as a deacon, I was able to, you know, they have us preach, Uh you know, twice a week. The deacons, my year, we were preaching I think it was Tuesdays and Fridays, maybe. Okay. Um, and then once a month, they would let the deacon preach for Sunday Mass. I actually, I think I was the only one in my class that never got a Sunday homily. Really? It's just the way it worked out. There weren't enough months. Okay. But, uh, you know, a lot of preaching during the week. I think I uh-huh. actually also preached more in Spanish than I did in English at the seminary. Now, did you learn Spanish in high school, in the seminary? Yeah, so I took four years of Spanish in high school. Okay. I started in eighth grade, and then I took, you know, in freshman, sophomore, junior year, I took okay. Spanish. And that's just because at that point, I didn't even know I was going to be joining the seminary. Or okay. It wasn't even on my mind, but I just enjoyed the language. Okay. I just enjoyed the class. Typically, from my experience and what I remember... In high school, Spanish is the bane of everyone's existence. Yes. Nobody likes it. Everyone's like, oh, I got to just, this is, this is terrible. I hate this class. But for me, I really liked it. And I think my my brain kind of had a knack for like, it just, it wasn't very hard for me. You know, I'm not saying, you know, I was the greatest Spanish student ever, but. It was a little more natural. It was, yeah, it felt kind of natural. And, and uh-huh. a lot of it made sense. And it was easy for me to formulate sentences and, and remember. And so I really enjoyed Spanish. Uh-huh. Two, only two years are required, but I went all the way to Spanish four. Wow. Because um, I really enjoyed it. Um, and then when I ended up going into the seminary, you know, thanks be to God, I had taken so much Spanish. Mm-hmm. I was, you know, really good. And then at University of Dallas, I took two more years. Okay. And then, you know, a summer in Costa Rica and then a lot of Hispanic parishes. 
Do you think that's why you were sent to some of those Hispanic parishes, like Re- Resurrection? Yeah, because... and also and also to just stay on top of my Spanish. You know, okay. Keep it sharp. Did you volunteer for... Did you ask them, hey, could you send me to, to I think some when more I Spanish went to speaking? Resurrection that summer, I think I had to ask for a Spanish-speaking okay. parish. Um, but now, I mean, now as a priest, I'm doing, you know, lots of stuff in Spanish. Uh-huh. Um, you know, when people ask me about my Spanish, I say, you know, it's not perfect, but it, it works. It's, it's pretty good. My Spanish is pretty good. Um, so I'm, I'm, you know, glad that I was took so much in high school before I even knew, you know, uh-huh. that I was going to be going to seminary. Did you feel like you got shortchanged? I asked this about the, from the guys who were ordained at the same time as you. Did you feel like you were shortchanged in your diaconate year because you weren't able to spend that time with the community? I mean, maybe a little bit, but honestly, my de- my deacon year at the seminary was so good. Uh-huh. Like, I enjoyed it so much that I almost even wouldn't want to change it. Like, just the community that we had. Okay. I, I actually brought back an initiative that I had at HTS. So, at HTS, my junior year, no, maybe my sophomore year, I started up this thing called Coffee in the Loft. Okay. So, I think when I was at HTS, every Tuesday and Thursday, and then it just became every Thursday, we would just, a bunch of guys would come and we would have, you know, coffee. Uh-huh. It was in my room, but I would I called it the loft. Okay. <laughs> so I had coffee in the loft at HTS. And you just hang for out. two and a half years. Yeah, just hanging out, drinking coffee, moving uh-huh. around. So this year, as a this past year as a deacon, I actually brought it back. I hadn't had it, you know, prior at St. Mary's. It just never worked out, and I never really tried that hard to start it. Okay. But as a deacon, you know, since we we weren't going out Sunday afternoons right after brunch were wide open, so I said I'm going to start up again, coffee in the loft. Are you like a coffee connoisseur or? Uh, I, I wouldn't say I'm a connoisseur. I really like coffee. I drink okay. coffee every morning, but I'm not picky about it. Okay. I just I just love a cup of black coffee in the morning. It's just it's black something. coffee. Oh, I love, yeah, it's great. Oh. But uh, so yeah, early on in the school year, I started up coffee in the loft, uh-huh. and we brought a lot of guys in. You know, after Sunday brunch, we would go up to the Deacon Lounge and just hang out, drink coffee. It was really good for community. Uh huh. And of course, you know, I always was just making all sorts of announcements about it. I started up this thing called the Guest of Honor. Just okay. out of thin air, one day I said, you know, so-and-so <laughs> is going to be the Guest of Honor, which basically forced him to go. <laughs> and then it just became this thing every week. There was a Guest of Honor, which meant nothing. I mean, well, I don't want to say that guest. now to all of the previous Guests of Honor. <laughs> it, it really was an important thing. No, but so just great for community. Okay. It was great. So, yeah. I mean, this was honestly, just the seminarians, though. Yeah, just the seminarians. And, and a couple of the priests would usually come, too. Okay. That was great, yeah. So, it, it would have been good going to the parish, obviously, and being uh-huh. able to do more things as a deacon, preaching, baptisms, mm-hmm. weddings. Um, but my deacon year, I I honestly, I don't even know if I would want to have changed anything. It just, it was so good. So much community at the seminary. Mm-hmm. The life at the seminary was so good. Morale was so high. So there was a silver lining to the oh, whole yeah, pandemic sure. and everything. Yeah, it was, it was. I loved my deacon here at the seminary. It was great. Let's talk about your ordination. Yes. The wedding date. Yeah. What was the lead up to that like for you? So, yeah, so I got ordained on June 5th, 2021. Um, I, you know, it's weird. It, it's just one of these things that, as a seminarian, you go to so many ordinations every year, right? Uh-huh, yes. And they're never your own. Yes, you're always helping out. And yeah. then all of a sudden, it's like, you're up. Right? It's you're your turn. Up. Yeah. So for me, it was hard to believe, I think, 
that I was about to become a priest. And I remember I was probably about two weeks before my ordination. I was at Holy Cross Chapel downtown waiting for mass to start, you know, because I needed to go to a daily mass. Uh-huh. And they had, I think mass was at 1130 or something. So I was there waiting for mass to start. Okay. And I remember thinking, this is two weeks before my ordination. I said, wow, my life is about to just <laughs> fundamentally change. I have spent the last nine years, like, you know, during breaks and stuff, you know, looking for a place to go to mass. Yes. Always, you know, you know, having to drive to the parish, waiting for mass to start. Yes. And then I was like, in two weeks, like, I'm going to be the one saying mass. I'm not going to be sitting in the pews waiting for mass to start uh-huh. anymore. Yes. Like, I'll be, you know, in the sacristy. I will be the one saying mass. Yeah. Like, my life is about to change. Yeah, you're no longer going to be Crazy. a seminarian. Yeah. You've gotten so used to being a seminarian yeah. for so yeah. many years. Yeah. Um, and I also remember a couple days before just thinking, wow, like in three days, I'm going to be hearing confessions, you know. <laughs> Wow. I just, was that what you were looking forward to the most about being a priest? Those sacraments? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because, you know, the weird, what's f- interesting about the seminary is the main things that the priest does uh-huh. and what, you know, seminarians are, you know, studying to be priest, you know, to do, like the sacraments, right? As a seminarian, because of the nature of what priesthood is, like we can't do any of those really priestly, properly priestly things until we actually are a priest. Yes, you can practice it. So, like but, for example, yeah. you know, like a medical student, you know, when they're studying and helping out in hospitals, even though you know they're not the doctor has to supervise, they can do some of the you know little things. They might let them you know, or you know, help out a little bit. Yes, in a surgery or so. You know what? I don't know the whole process, but yeah, they can actually do. Some of the things, but for us, like the main things, uh-huh. we can't do until we're actually a priest. Yeah, you can't jump in in the during, in the confessional and sit exactly. With the and priest. I think yeah. another thing that I thought about that's interesting, just in the nature of holy orders, is you know it all comes down to you know the 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 ordination itself, consecration, like being consecrated. I remember one of my friends when I'm saying basically that authority. You know, in the church is based on it comes from consecration, not from, you know, your knowledge, right? Mm-hmm. So what's I've thought about before that's interesting is, you know, as a as as a seminarian, I could go through nine years of seminary uh-huh. and have all of the knowledge in the world. But if I didn't actually like show up on my ordination day and get ordained, oh. I couldn't do any of the things yes. that I was studying to do, right? So it's like there's something really profound that happens like on your ordination day. But what's also funny is this would never happen because, uh-huh. you know, it, the diocese wouldn't let it. The church wouldn't let it. But if somebody didn't even go to seminary and just showed up and got ordained uh-huh. and the bishop was like, okay, fine, I'll ordain you. <laughs> and he didn't know anything about the church or whatever. Yeah. Like as long as he was – you know, previously baptized uh-huh. and he was ordained a priest, like he could say mass and it would be the mass. Uh-huh. Right? Even though he knows nothing about the church. Yes. But because he has the sacrament of holy orders, because he was ordained a priest. That's how special it is, yeah. That he, you know, he could he would say mass and it would be valid. What do you remember the most about the day itself? Um I remember waking up that morning, like, okay, you know, it's here. Mm-hmm. Wow. 
Um, and then getting to, I remember when I got to the cathedral, yeah, just talking to people, you know, seeing a lot of the guests that I invited come and, mm-hmm. you know, it's just kind of surreal that it's actually happening. Um, but I remember before the mass started, I told the cardinal, cause part of the rite of ordination is your hands get anointed. Okay. With chrism. Yes. And I said, when you anoint my hands with chrism, you can be real generous. Like, just don't be afraid to be real generous with the chrism. Why is that? Why'd you say that? Well, because it, it smells so good. Oh. It's awesome. And he said, you know, I, he's like, I usually do, usually do pretty good. Uh-huh. But both of the deacons who were serving, uh-huh. Deacon Christopher and Deacon Jacob, they both said that the cardinal gave me an extra dab of chrism. Oh, wow. They said they were watching for all the guys, and they said that I actually got an extra dab. So, so but from the, the rite of ordination itself, it was just, yeah, surreal being there. Um, and then also just during, you know, the rite, trying to also like pray, you know, say, Jesus, you know, mm-hmm. just give me the grace that I need to do this. Um, uh, and so for the ordination itself, I mean, my, and I remember feeling the same way during the diaconate. I really love the litany of the saints. Yes. Where we get a lay, you prostrate. Yes. On the floor in front of the altar. I really love that. And I think last year as a deacon, I was really like praying you know, for, you know, for grace, like to be faithful. But this year as a priest, I was, uh, I was actually just making all the response, like pray for us. I was like, yes. I want to be singing this too, you know, uh-huh. praying and asking all these saints to pray for me, pray for us. Uh-huh. So this year, as I was lying prostrate, really, I was, you know, you know, also singing the litany quietly, you know, mm-hmm. not obnoxiously loud. But, <laughs> um, but, and then of course, uh, did you get to choose any of the? Yeah, we were able to add in a couple saints. So I added in um, Saint John Baptiste de La Salle, okay, and Saint Margaret Mary Alico. The reason I added Saint John Baptiste de La Salle is because he is actually engraved on my chalice. Oh. I got an an older chalice, you know, from the early 1900s. So I didn't, oh wow, you know, design what was on it or anything. Okay. <clears throat> And he was he's on the chalice, and one of my friends said, "Like you should really start up a devotion to him." Okay. Um, and so I I picked him for the litany because he was on my chalice. I was like, all okay. right, I'll pick John, John Baptiste de La Salle. Okay. And then I picked Saint Margaret Mary Aliquo. I also picked her for the diaconate because I really love you know the Sacred Heart of Jesus, and mm-hmm. she's the one that the Sacred Heart you know appeared to. Okay. Um, and so I picked her. So those two. Did you feel in the air how extra special it was because it was the first big? You know, the first big event for the Archdiocese since the pandemic. Yeah, I was just super thankful that they let us invite as many people as we wanted. And that happened all, you know, it was two weeks before our ordination that they lifted everything. So, you're just so super yes. thankful that, that it was totally open. Um, and then, yeah, during the rite itself, the uh, one of the things I remember, of course, you know, the two crucial elements are the cardinal imposing hands. Mm-hmm laying hands on your head, and then the prayer of ordination. Um, but another part, uh, right after Cardinal lays his hands, all the priests come through and also impose hands. Uh-huh, yes. And I remember during that, you know, I would try to, you know, keep my eyes closed and pray, but then I'd always wonder, who was that? I wonder who that was. <laughs> and I would look up and see, you know, did I recognize that priest? Are who you supposed that? to keep your eyes closed? Or? No, it doesn't really matter. <laughs> okay. I mean, um, Look at this you don't guy. Have He's to. peeking. <laughs> you don't have. You, yeah, everyone's different. You okay. know, some guys are looking the whole time. Some guys are uh-huh. really, 
uh-huh. and have their eyes closed. But I always try and keep my eyes closed and trying to pray. But mm-hmm. then I would also inevitably think, who I mean, who was that? I don't mm-hmm. recognize those shoes. You know? <laughs> um, Do you go back to the live stream and <laughs> – I have a, a couple times just to kind of like review things. But uh-huh. – uh, and then, yeah, the uh, – after that's the prayer of ordination, which I, I really love um, – I love that. I, I really love – it's in the same tone as the preface, you know, during Mass. Which, it is truly right and just, our duty and our salvation. Uh-huh. It's that same tone. Yes. But it's really it's a really long prayer, and the okay. cardinal chanted the whole thing. Yes. And so I've said this for a while. I could listen to Cardinal Leonardo chant all day. I could listen to yes. him chant the preface all day long. I love it. Um, so just hearing him chant the prayer of ordination, uh-huh. I just loved. Um, and then, yeah, I, I also really loved, you know, um, hands get my hands getting anointed. That's mm-hmm. something that I was really, really looking forward to, even from a long time ago. Because there is something really unique about, like you just think about the hands of a priest. Yes. That they, you know, consecrate the body and blood of Christ. Absolve sinners, baptize, yes. anoint. Oh yeah, um, yeah. And it's all because of those the, you know the hands are consecrated, and so the actual anointing of the hands with chrism, um, for me, was something I was really excited about. I, I like, never really thought so about awesome. that. Yeah, yeah. Wow. So yeah, our hands get anointed, and one thing that's, um, so yeah, our hands get anointed with chrism, uh-huh. right? And it smells really good. So I didn't want to. Uh, you know, I wanted that smell to remain there for as long as possible. Uh-huh. But one thing that's really common after ordinations, and for, and throughout kind of the first year, but really on ordination day, is when you give someone a blessing, a lot of people will kiss your hands. Yes. And so I remember after ordination and after the reception at the seminary, when I was back home, we had you know I had some friends over and we had dinner, uh-huh. and I was getting ready to eat. And I could still smell the chrism on my hands. Yes. And I didn't want to lose that smell. <laughs> but then I thought, you know, so many people have kissed my hands today. Yes. That I pretty much have to wash them before I eat. <laughs> I, of course. I, I don't yeah. think I could eat. <laughs> I mean, I, I would have been fine, but uh-huh. I just thought I should probably wash my hands. So many people have kissed my hands. Uh-huh. And, and so I could still, you know, the smell was still faint after that, but I, I tried to, to keep it as long as possible. <laughs> now, you spoke about your hands. Father Houston said he had problems with his legs during the Yes, ordination. I do remember that. I, apparently, he was cramping up really bad. And yes. so, he went kind of almost into a T-bowing position. <laughs> yes. On one knee. I do remember seeing that out of the corner of my eye, thinking, oh, boy. You, oh, so you did notice that. <laughs> I noticed it. And then Father Joseph said that he actually held up the line, the procession line, because he was too busy talking in the back. Did you yes, have any? I, yeah, I do remember. I remember him being outside. Did you yell out to him, hey, come on, hurry? No, someone else does that on that day. (laughs) So did anything interesting like that happen to you? No, not nothing nothing interesting. Just the double dip on the on the chrism. On the chrism. But uh, well I had not really a snafu, but something happened to me at the diaconate ordination. What was that? So part of the right is they call the candidates forward. Okay. So said you know, at the diaconate they said, Let those to be ordained deacons come forward. Then they call the names. And Father Richard McNeely, I still give him a hard time about this, messed up my name. So my name is Chad David Henry. Okay. He goes up there and says, let those be ordained deacons come forward. And then he goes, Chad Henry David? 
And I was like, you've got to be kidding me. <laughs> so you didn't go. <laughs> no, I did. I, I, I mean, I could not say present, but um, but during the priesthood ordination, yeah, nothing, uh-huh. uh, no uh, no snafus for me. I didn't have any cramps or I, I wasn't outside chatting it up with all the other priests. So you so you went to Galveston that, was that that evening? The next day. The next day the next to day, do yeah. your first mass. Yeah. What was that Which, like? That was, uh, that, was, that was also really surreal. I remember... As we were walking to the back to process in, I was, I said to Father Urell, who was there, uh-huh. I've thought about this day a lot. This is uh, really this is crazy. So, uh, what's funny about the day of my first mass was my mind was going a thousand miles an hour mm-hmm. in five hundred different directions, and so I rode down to Galveston with three friends, the two deacons that were were serving as deacons, and then another buddy of mine who is joining the Norbertine Fathers this August. And we get to – so, typically, I'm the one, you know, I'm very organized, very disciplined. I don't lose things. Uh You know, that's just me. But we get down to Galveston, and, you know, I park, I get out, and I go, where are my keys? Where are my car keys? Oh no! And then I go, my car's still running. They're in the ignition, <laughs> and, and Deacon Chris goes, "Oh, it's starting! Oh, look at this!" Um, so your family wasn't with you? No, because I got there really early. They came down. Okay, they so came they down for anyway. the mass, but okay. I got down there. I was probably down there two hours early, just to make sure everything was there, everything ready to go. Uh-huh. Um, but and then another funny thing, you know, before mass, like I said, you know, I'm. Very organized, yes. disciplined. I don't forget things. Uh, right before the mass started, the the MC, the master of ceremony, came back and said, "Father, can you load incense into the thurible?" Okay. And I just remember thinking, "Wow, I would have totally forgot about that." Like as a seminarian <laughs> or as an MC, because uh-huh. I've MC'd you know some masses before. Yes. Like I would remember all those details, uh-huh. but because I was the priest getting ready to say mass, like. I wasn't even thinking about that. You I had other totally, things on your mind, I was mind, just like, right? am I going to be able to do this? And um, that's why they have the, the exactly, guys to do that. Exactly, yeah. Exactly. Now, what, at what point did you realize, oh, wow, I am a priest? Was it the first time you consecrated the Eucharist? The first? Probably. I think as I was kind of processing down the aisle uh-huh. at my first mass, it was pretty crazy. Because I think for me during the mass, I remember thinking oftentimes, okay, I just got to make sure, because I chanted the whole thing. Uh So really kind of just paying attention to the details, making sure I I knew what was coming next. Uh And I was comfortable with the chants. So I was really focused on just, you know, all of the chanting and and that I wasn't even thinking about, like, oh, I can't believe I'm doing this. (laughs) I was just really like, okay, I got to make sure I do this right, chant correctly. Um, What was your family like? You know, at the ordination and at yeah, that first so mass of yours. I was, they were really happy, you know, uh-huh. but I was really surprised to see how much my dad cried. Really? Oh, wow. I, that was kind of shocking for me. He, he yeah, he, he cried that's a lot. Amazing. I, my mom probably did, but I just remember seeing my dad. I was like, whoa. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah. Did you have, after your first mass, that, um, um, that tradition of giving your parents the... Yeah, the manaturgium and the first stole. Yeah, I did that. I had that uh, after the mass at the end. Um, what I was that, that like? 
That was really, I mean, I, the one thing I remember most clearly was um, just giving my mom a really long hug at, okay. at the end after I handed it to her. Um, that is a beautiful tradition. I, I, I've said it to the other guests as well, you know, to, to be able to give those your to your parents mm-hmm. as a sort of a tradition for them to present when, you know, when they die. Yeah, exactly. You know, they'll be buried with it mm-hmm. as a sort of, uh, you know, fast pass at the pearly gates. Did yeah. your dad cry again when you, when you gave him? Uh, he was probably already crying beforehand. <laughs> I mean, so it, um, but yeah, he was. And my mom was kind of tearing up too. That's but awesome. I was really surprised how much my dad cried. Did you have a lot of relatives come in from out of town? No. From California? I only had, I think, one aunt and a grandma. Okay. Because um, a lot of my, a, a decent amount of my extended family isn't Catholic. Okay. Um, or just not really practicing. Okay. Um, and then also. COVID. Um, yeah, my my mm-hmm. dad's dad, Traveled. my grandpa, he de- grandpa, he definitely would have come in, but he's just now he's getting really old, so it just was you don't want to risk just, that, yeah, just too much for him. And what's great is that you know they've got all those live streams, yeah, yeah. so you can you know you can be there as well. It's one of those silver linings with the yeah, oh yeah, with the pandemic, the but live yeah, stream. Yeah, it was. Uh, I couldn't believe it. I mean, I just couldn't believe that it was actually uh, June fifth, twenty twenty one. Because <laughs> the funny thing about the archdiocese, we do our priestly ordinations. It's always the first Saturday of June. Uh huh. So, you know, your first year in seminary, you can go look. What's the first Saturday in oh, June yes. in in twenty twenty one when I'm going to be ordained? You're like, it's June fifth, right? Uh-huh. So you usually know, at least for our diocese, like we would know when it was going to be. There's a countdown. Um, like but thousands of days out, you're ready now. I was counting. Yeah. I counted down for a year for the diaconate ordination, uh-huh. and after it got pushed back, I decided I'm not going to be counting down days <laughs> anymore in to anything. Uh-huh. Um, so I wasn't counting down for priesthood, but I knew, you know, for a long time, I've known that it was going to be June 5th, uh-huh. 2021, just because it's the first Saturday of uh-huh. June in 2021. Um, so yeah, and it was actually June 5th, 2021. Wow, I'm there. Now, your parish now, you got assigned to... St. Elizabeth Ann Seton. It's in northwest Houston, okay. kind of close to Jersey Village. And you found that out the night before, right? Yes. The day before. So, the day before, uh, the morning before, Friday morning, so ordination's on Saturday. Friday Mm -hmm. morning, we have rehearsal. You know, just like with confirmation, you know, we got to know what we're doing. Yes. So, we had rehearsal, but before the rehearsal starts, we meet with the cardinal, and he hands us an envelope. And he says, I have assigned you to St. Elizabeth Ann Seton. So I, uh, I'm super happy that uh-huh. I went there. And what's actually really cool is the pastor there, Father Bart Reynolds, he was the priest who gave me my first communion. Wow. So that is cool. At St. Teresa's in Sugarland. Wow. That's amazing. Um, yeah. Did, so, he, did you tell him? Of course you told him. Yeah. That. I've actually, I've known him. Uh, pretty well for for the past couple of years. Uh-huh. So I probably I told him that I think a couple years ago. Uh-huh. Um but yeah, another thing that's really funny about him being my pastor is so he was previously at St. Teresa Sugarland. Yes. And that's right by my house. So for my first few years in seminary, he was there. He was the pastor of St. Teresa Sugarland mm-hmm. for my first I think 3 years of seminary. And then after my third year, that's the time when he got moved to St. Elizabeth and where he is now. Okay. So for my first three years in seminary, and another thing about St. Teresa's was that they always 
had a lot of confession times. So anytime I would, you know, on breaks and things, when I'd want to go to confession, mm-hmm. I would go to St. Teresa's and a lot, I went, I went to confession a lot with Father Reynolds. And so in my mind, uh, my, his voice has a really strong connection with the sacrament of reconciliation. Wow. And so when I talk to him today, uh-huh. just around in the parish and stuff, I always feel like You're in I'm co- in the confessional. <laughs> it's a really funny uh a really funny thing. Did, is that where you expected to go, or did you think you might have been sent somewhere else? I knew else? that there was a chance because I actually met with Father Reynolds two weeks before my ordination, and we did a rosary pilgrimage uh-huh. uh, between – we prayed all four rosaries, all four uh, sets of mysteries um, between his parish, St. Elizabeth Ann Seton, and Our Lady of Lourdes. So we prayed one there, drove – prayed while driving, prayed when Our Lady Lords drove back. And uh, we, he was telling me that at this point he didn't know okay. that I was going. But he said that he really needed a, a Spanish-speaking priest because oh. the other priest that spoke Spanish there was leaving, going to another parish. Okay. So he said, I, I really need a Spanish-speaking priest. And I remember when he said that, I remember thinking, whoa. This might happen. This could actually happen. <laughs> I could go here. And then... That's cool. So he actually didn't find out until a week after our rosary pilgrimage that we did together. Uh-huh. He, but he didn't tell you. No, no, no. He couldn't. Of course he not. not yeah. so, but he got <laughs> called and said, would you, you know, take Father Chad mm-hmm. as your parochial vicar? Mm-hmm. And he said, yeah. So, and then. Wow. So he, he found that out on Monday of the week I did. So I found out, he found out Monday. I found out on Friday. So Friday morning is when Cardinal you know, told me that I was going to St. Elizabeth Ann Seton. I was just super happy. That's amazing. Yeah. Now that you've got your assignment, parochial vicar, you're going to be there at least for a few years. Looking back at the entire process of when you were getting cold feet going into the seminary, going through the, the whole thing, what advice do you have for any young people that may be considering religious life? I would say, so definitely a couple things. Number one... Um, I would say, look, just because you go to the seminary or join a religious order, that doesn't mean that you're saying, okay, I will be here for the rest of my life. I know it for sure. You go to the seminary and you go to, you know, religious community to continue to discern. Mm-hmm. So if you think God might be calling you to be a priest, go to the seminary, Right. It, a lot of guys go to the seminary and leave after a couple of years. They just try it out. And they're yeah. better men for it, right? Because we grow a lot and there's a lot of formation uh-huh. and you grow in holiness too. So if you feel like you're a little bit unsure, that's okay. Just, But if you think there's a chance, right, go to the seminary. So yeah, just just because you go to the seminary doesn't mean, you know, that you're you're committing to becoming a priest, Right? If you think God's calling you, you go to keep discerning. And something that I remember thinking about it's about while I was in seminary was I just – the last thing I would want would be to be like a 60 or 70-year-old and think, God was calling me to the priesthood, but I missed it. Oh. Right? Yeah. So if you think there's a chance God's calling you, like go to the seminary. And if you leave after two years, hey, you leave after two years. And you're going to – you probably have made a lot of really good – solid friends, holy friends, you've grown in holiness, and now you know God's not calling you to the priesthood, right? You know for sure. So I would say, 
you know, that don't be afraid, even if you're not totally sure, still go. And then I'd also say, I think one thing that looking back on my own kind of life and discernment is, I think a lot of times for us, kind of taking the first step towards something Mm -hmm. is the hardest one. And so for me, I think, you know, I didn't want to go on this retreat, so I didn't go. Yes. But like finally going in person to meet Father Dad, I was like, okay. And then after taking that initial step out into the unknown, uh-huh. it gets a little bit easier from there, right? Because um, there's not as much mystery and fear and unknown surrounding it. And so I would say, yeah, you know, even if you're really afraid to take a first step, just know that that one I think is the hardest. And after that, it does, you know, it, it becomes less um, frightening. It's not as, you know, unknown to you. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. So don't be afraid to take the first step. It, it's really hard, really challenging. And, you know, you can, you can even be afraid or really nervous about it. Um, but it does really, you know, it gets easier and, and as you become acquainted with, you know, with this new thing. Thank you so much for being here with us, taking the time to sit down yes, thank and you tell so us much. your story. Thank you for having me. Like I said, first time ever on a podcast. So, And you did fantastically. Father thank Chad you so Henry. Much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.